everybody to my lawcast. This is Guy Shear. I'm your host. And this podcast, we're going to discuss Halloween. Ooh, that scary, fun time that families all over the country look forward to experiencing with their kids. And even us as adults enjoy sometimes partaking in the Halloween spirit. So recently I was asked a question by a great property manager. What do we tell associations for this coming Halloween? Well, let's first take it from the standpoint that Halloween is not an association-sanctioned event. In other words, unless you have a clubhouse on your facilities and the association throws a Halloween party, there is no sanctioned association Halloween event. And I would preface that also by saying that if you are throwing a party, those should be immediately canceled. There should be absolutely no association parties at this point at any facility of the association, whether that be a common clubhouse or some big open area. At any point in time that the association engages in such an action, you run the incredible risk of spreading the disease throughout the community. So taking that part away from any consideration, now you've got people coming into your community wanting to trick-or-treat. Foremost, let's look at gated communities because open, non-gated communities, there's not much that you can do. For all gated communities, I would recommend that signs be posted on the entranceway and potentially even have photocopy statements ready to give anybody coming into the community who's a guest that specifically states that the Halloween uh, holiday, if you will, is a non-association sanctioned event that you do so on your, at your own risk uh, and that many of the homes in the community may not be participating as a result of the pandemic. And I think this is something that should be posted and even notices provided to everyone coming into the community that night, as well as letting your members know that the association is not sanctioning, condoning, or otherwise involved in the Halloween um, holiday, if you will, and that if you do so and allow people to come into the neighborhood to go to the homes, that you do so at your own risk and that of your guests and invitees. I know I'm going to get questions about limiting guests and invitees into the community, and the reality is that it's very difficult to do, if not impossible. How do you tell someone that their friend can't come and visit them, especially if they intend to spend the evening together and not go out into the community? In any event, what I suggest is a blanket statement absolving the association of any obligation or responsibility with respect to the holiday, advising people that they do so on the, at their own risk, and making sure that the members of the community are aware of this, as well as anyone entering that evening. And unfortunately, this is going to go on for many a holidays uh, that are coming up, uh, including New Year's Eve parties, um, potentially big Thanksgiving gatherings, the reality is that everything you read nowadays discusses the fact that the pandemic is not going away 
and that with the winter months coming on, it will only get worse, unfortunately. As many of you who are uh, keeping up with the news are aware, France, Spain have seen tremendous increases. Uh, so has uh, England. And uh, these countries are experiencing just uh, overwhelming uh, cases of COVID within the communities. Fortunately, it's understood that many of these instances now are more treatable and the survival rate is increasing, hopefully every day, but I do understand that it is increasing. And obviously, I hope that translates here as well. But in the meantime, associations are not to start opening up all of the common elements or common areas and should still limit to areas such as tennis, to areas such as open fields where the interaction is distanced. Um, I do recommend that if you want to open up the pools, and I've been talking about this with a number of my clients, that you look into hiring uh, guards or, or security personnel, if you will, to monitor this and to ensure that social distancing is uh, followed, that wiping down of certain elements in the pool area are done, that people wear their masks other than when in the pool, uh, and that, you know, unfortunately, the horsing around, jumping on each other is to a minimum, obviously to a minimum based on uh, getting injured or hurt and trying to put the association in liability for that, but more importantly, for spreading of the virus. So some of my clients have looked to open up their pools on the weekends where it's the most usage and the best application of funds to ensure that um, not only people are using it, but people are monitoring it instead of doing it during the week when fewer people may be using the pool. This is really a great way to go about this and a great compromise. Your communities get to use the pools, but you are monitoring the pools. And again, anyone, any board who says we don't have the money to hire somebody for two days out of the week, just remember this. Look at your landscape uh, budget. Look at some of your other more discretionary type budgets and remember that if you open it up without that security, without somebody overseeing it and trying to ensure and doing the best they can to ensure that people are social distancing and abiding by the CDC guidelines, then those other what I call discretionary or more discretionary expenditures will come to the forefront of any lawsuit. As I've discussed in my previous uh, law casts, uh, there are more and more litigation uh, arising out of what the lawyers are looking at negligence based on either a sorority or fraternity, and more and more it will be associations where people get the virus and are unfortunately either uh, do not survive it or are heavily adversely affected by it uh, with uh, lingering symptoms uh, for months and if not longer to come. Uh, you have to understand that the liability issue is great. And I want to end the podcast with talking about some questions about how can you prove it. And again, it goes back to contact testing. A firm with a case that they believe is valuable enough to pursue legally will take the time to contact, test, and figure out 
contact tracing and figure out where the people were, who was there, who else got sick, and be able to bring it kind of to a circle and show that it occurred here at this association's pool. And at that point, the litigation, the potential damages could literally wipe out an association or worse, put an association in a position where it is now assessing its members for this unfortunate situation instead of spending money on other more pressing or even discretionary items that the association had budgeted for. It is instead paying lawyers and ultimately paying a settlement. So let's be smart about this. Uh, I want to wish everybody uh, only good health, as I always do, and well-being. And just think about it. Think about Halloween as it comes up uh, next month and how to deal with it. Uh, Think about large gathering for holidays to come, whether it be Thanksgiving, whether it be New Year's, and how you want to obviously balance the rights of your owners, your members, to do as they wish, but also letting everybody know, not only them, but people who visit them, that the association has no liability, no obligation, because it is a non-sanctioned, non-supported association event. I want to leave you with one more suggestion, uh, and I've seen this implemented, and I've discussed this. Uh, There are associations, especially condominiums, where testing is being made of anybody who enters of taking their temperature and having sign off on a sheet that basically assures the condo that uh, the representation made by the owner is that they have not been sick and not felt, or not only owner, also guests and invitees, that they haven't felt sickness or haven't felt any symptoms. Let me say that I don't believe in the written part it's really for the association to try to say, hey, we checked. We believe that they would be honor- they would be honorable and truthful. Uh, I think more uh, the temperature is a great way to check it. We're talking about a $50 to $100 tool that can be used very easily by your uh, staff as they come in, uh, whether it's an owner or a, uh, a guest, an invitee, and have their temperature taken to ensure that it is at an acceptable level. I see nothing wrong with this, and it's yet one more step in protecting the general membership and staff. So thank you. I look forward to your comments. Please email me. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And uh, I want to thank you all for uh, taking the time to listen. I ask you to subscribe. Uh, I'm on iTunes. I'm on Podbeam. And of course, you can go to my website uh, by clicking the podcast button above in the email that was sent to you regarding tonight's episode. And you're welcome to hear this one and also previous ones. I do sometimes uh, transfer the YouTube cast into a podcast so you can listen to it and not just see it. And soon I'm going to start implementing live uh, podcasts through Podbeam. You'll have to download the app, uh, or alternatively, I might do a live email where I'm discussing issues and letting people email in, monitoring that email for a live chat. So thank you again, be happy, be safe, and I wish you and yours only the best.